Deuteronomy chapter 5 is where we will be this morning. Uh, If you have your Bibles, please turn to Deuteronomy chapter 5. If you don't have your Bibles, why not? It's church. There is one in the pew in front of you if you you want to use that one if you don't have one. However, uh, next time you need to bring your Bible. You don't go into a fight without a sword, right? You know? So don't come to church without your sword. All right. Now that I'm off that soapbox, let's actually get into the sermon. Deuteronomy chapter 5, we're talking about the fourth commandment this morning. The first commandments, the first three of them, all focus directly on God. One is the call to covenant loyalty, exclusive covenant loyalty. You will have no other gods before me. Two is the call to an exclusive form of worship. You worship God his way. No graven images, he says. Three, the call to an exclusivity in the way that we carry his name, that we do not carry his name for our purposes. Uh, Rather, we do not take his name in vain. We carry it in a way that's worthy of him. And so now we get to the fourth, and we come to a day, the Sabbath day. A few, uh, I don't know how long ago it was, probably a couple years now, Um, After church one day here, after I had preached, someone wanted to talk to me. And Larry, you might remember this. Um, The lady wanted to talk to me. And so after the service, I came in and and started talking to her. And she had all of her literature and and, and all this different stuff. And she was going to show me why we were sinning against God because we were meeting on Sunday instead of Saturday. Don't you know this is the Sabbath day? You've got to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And so you should be worshiping on Saturday and not Sunday. She tried to tell me all these different things and make this case. And we got into a, um, can I put it nicely? A spirited discussion. We weren't yelling at each other so much, but uh, Larry, do you remember this happening? Yeah, yeah, um, just back and forth. And me trying to show her, no, that's not what that commandment means. People often take this commandment to mean the Sabbath day. If the Sabbath day is to be holy, then then we should close down all of our shops. We should not have anybody shopping on, on Saturday. We shouldn't have all the worship services should be on Saturday. We shouldn't be doing anything else. Um, well, I tell you what, let's start here. Let's start with the actual commandment. Say it with me as we read Deuteronomy chapter 5. The beginning is a great place to start. So let's begin in the beginning. Let's go, let's go to the commandment itself. This is God's word. And if you let it, it will change your life. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath holy. Pray with me. Father, help us help us to know uh, what the Sabbath is, what it represents, and how to apply this scripture. We recognize that because of the work of your son, he has already perfectly fulfilled your law. So through him, help us to live 
your way, through him, through the power of your Holy Spirit working within us. Help us to properly apply this scripture so that we don't become legalistic or antinomian, so that we don't apply it as as rigid law that has no resemblance of the heart of this text, but also so that we don't get so loose and flippant with it that we're completely disregarding you either. Father, give us wisdom as we seek to apply your scripture to life. In Christ's name, we pray these things. Amen. You may be seated. I pray that way because it's so easy to fall into either trap, isn't it? It's so easy to get so caught up in the checklist and the legalistic side of it that you become, well, you become a good lawyer. Figuring out all the loopholes and all the details, nitpicking all of the little intricacies. That was the problem in the Pharisees' day. When Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, there's time after time after time he's healing people on the Sabbath and they're always mad because it's on the Sabbath. And constantly Jesus has to get on to them because this person is hurting. This person is, is messed up. This woman is hunched over. She can't stand up straight. And Jesus heals her on the Sabbath and the Pharisee in the, in the synagogue is mad because it's on the Sabbath. Come the other days of the week to get healed. Don't you know? This woman is suffering. We can't become Pharisaic. At the same time, we also can't be so loose that there's no real difference at all. I don't think, and you'll see, you'll hear how I explain this in just a second. I don't think that God gave us the command for Sabbath just to apply up until the point of Jesus and then stop completely. I see that Sabbath is more than just a command here. There's a pattern of Scripture that goes throughout. And in fact, it revolves around two ideas that are very closely related. So I guess where we should start here is to figure out what Sabbath is in the first place. What is the Sabbath? Is it just a day for us to not work? Is it just a time where, where we, should, we should go back to, to years ago when all the counties were dry and we don't, we don't sell alcohol on that day and all the stores closed down and, and we just don't do anything but sit around the house. Maybe we go to worship at church on Sunday morning and then, and then the rest of the day we just sit around and kind of be lazy. Maybe, maybe, maybe it goes the other way. Maybe it's a day that instead of that should just be like any other day. Oh, well, it's a day off from work. I don't have to work today, so I guess I'll get the yard work done. I guess I'll do some stuff around the house. I'll get the laundry caught up. I'll get, I'll get this or that or whatever. I'll cook, a, I'll cook a giant meal for my 50,000 50, relatives that are all coming over. That's work right there. I'm telling you, cooking a meal for a big gathering, that, that is work. What exactly is the Sabbath? Is it something for us to disregard completely? I don't think so. But is it something for us to be so legalistic about that we use as an excuse not to do what God actually wants us to do? Absolutely not either. What is the Sabbath? There's two ideas. First, Sabbath is a day of rest. Now, this goes back to creation. God could have created everything in the blink of an eye. He could have just said, and there it all is. He didn't even have to say anything. All he had to do is want it to happen, and it would happen. 
God's will is so perfect and He is so perfect at executing His will that the entire universe comes into existence just to perform His will. But what He does is He lays it out in a pattern. Now whether, whether it's scientifically accurate or whether it's some sort of literary device that he's using, when Moses is writing down Genesis chapter 1, he is setting a pattern. And the pattern matters. Six days, God creates the world. Whether that's six long periods of time or six 24-hour days, doesn't matter. It's, it, it's the pattern. Day one, light and darkness separated. Day two, the sky separated from the waters. Day three, land appears out of the waters. Day four, there's the heavenly host, all the stars in the sky and the sun and moon and planets and all that great stuff. Day five, you got all kinds of birds in the air and fish in the water. Day six, somewhere in there is vegetation. I can't remember what day it is. So forgive me. Day six, land animals culminates with people. God looks at everything and he says, this is very good. And then Genesis 2, verse 2. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. There's a beautiful idea here. And we often miss it. God finishes what he starts. This is, a, a, if you want the theological term, it's consummation. God completes the thing that he starts. So he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it in the day of Christ Jesus. Right? God doesn't leave things half done. Unlike some of us, guilty, that have lots of projects that are still undone. God finishes what he starts. He finishes work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day. Now, question, does God need rest? You think God was exhausted you think God was just so tired, he said, I can't even deal with this creation right now. I got to go take a nap. No, he's setting a pattern. He rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. Verse three says, so God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. You see, this day from the very beginning is a day of rest. God didn't need the rest. Maybe his creation did, but he knew they would. And so he sets the pattern. In fact, this pattern is so strong that in Exodus chapter 20, where the Ten Commandments are first given, it states this as the motive for this commandment. Exodus 20, verse 11, For in six days the Lord made a heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. We are to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, because God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. In other words, there is a pattern that God has set in creation that this was to be a time of rest. There, you work. You work hard. You work long hours. You work all week long. And then you come to a day off. And it's a time to rest from your labors. That's the creation pattern. But Sabbath isn't just about rest. Sabbath is also a day of redemption. You see, something happened over time. As God did his work in creation and rested on the seventh day, it set a pattern. 
But over time, that pattern kind of got relegated to the back burner. Nobody's really observing the Sabbath. Now, there's no command. God doesn't command Noah when they get off the ark. He, he reissues the general mandate to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, just like he told Adam and Eve in the garden. But he doesn't tell them, and make sure you rest on the seventh day. He doesn't mention that. So for a long time, there is no period of rest. And in fact, when you get to Israel being in Egypt for 400 years, there's no rest. They're turned into slaves and are constantly working. And slaves don't get a day off. Some of us aren't slaves, but we know what it's like not to get a day off. But slaves definitely don't get a day off. Their work is hard. It's brutal. They're often treated in terrible conditions. Certainly the Israelites were. But then God redeemed them. God brought them out of Egypt. This is why Deuteronomy doesn't refer back to creation. Deuteronomy refers back to their redemption as the, as the impetus to keep this command. Look at Deuteronomy 5.15. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. He's commanding you to keep the Sabbath because he's redeemed you from your slavery. That's not something we normally think of. But the pattern of Scripture keeps repeating. God redeems a people for himself and makes them distinctive. And one of the distinctives of God's people is the ability to experience his blessings. Did you catch it back in Genesis 2? That God blessed the seventh day and made it holy? God didn't just make it holy. He blessed it. It's a blessing from God. That, that might help us when we're tempted to do our legal checklist because it's his blessing. I think we're ready to ask our two questions that we've been asking about the other commandments. What does the commandment reveal about God and what does it require of us? So what does this commandment reveal about God? First, God relieves his people. He gives them rest. God is the one who gives us rest. Think about uh, um, probably, it's probably, um, you can probably quote it. You probably don't, wouldn't even have to turn there. Can anybody tell me what Psalm 23 says? Okay, you'll say it with me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, what's the next verse say? He says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Any of y'all ever dealt with sheep? Sheep. Sheep are funny things. You have to actually make them stop and rest. Like they'll just get up and wander around and wear themselves out. You have to actually make them lay down. You have to make them drink. If the water's moving a little too fast, they won't drink. They're skittish. You got to lead them beside still waters so that they'll take a drink. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. God gives his people rest. It's his blessing. Some of us look at God as though he's a divine slave master. Like he just whips the whip on your back. If you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, God's going to punish you. In Exodus chapter 16, um, tells us about the initial experience of the Israelites in the desert. They are 
They've just come out of Egypt. And they're a couple days in to their journey, not very far into it, and they're already complaining. Because, right, that's what people do. We complain. And one of the things that they're complaining about is we don't have food. And so God says, I'm going to give you food. Every day, you're going to have my man. And so they wake up in the morning and they walk outside and there's this stuff on the ground. And they, the word manna means, what is it? Because nobody knows what it is. And Moses is like, well, this is God's food. And so they went out and they would gather this manna, this dew-like substance. The only thing I can picture is kind of, kind of a variation of like a wet dough. Kind of real, kind of flaky though. It, it, it's... It's something that, that we, I'm going to say thankfully, uh, haven't, haven't had to live on for 40 years. So, you know, but he gives them food. What's interesting is some of them decide to keep it to the next day, even though Moses tells them, don't eat, only take what you'll eat in a day and eat it all. Don't leave any till tomorrow. They do. And it's disgusting. It's rotten. And it's, oh man, it's bad. So they learn pretty quickly. You can't hold it for overnight. That doesn't work. What's funny, though, is that when you're gathering the day before the Sabbath, you're to gather two days' worth. Now, you can see the immediate problem, right? If I'm going to gather for two days on this day, what's going to happen to it tomorrow? My house is going to smell terrible. But no, God preserves it so that it's still good on the Sabbath. It's an interesting picture of God's provision for his people, the way that he is, he is giving them rest. They don't even have to go out and gather their own food. God has already provided it for them. And he's already defying the laws of nature just by having the substance on the ground. Now he's going to defy that again by having it last an extra day so that on the Sabbath they don't have to worry about it. They don't have to to do anything because God is providing for them. God is giving them rest. Now they still have to go out and gather it the day before. They still have to actively participate to make preparation to be ready. By the way, there were some folks that went out on that Sabbath day and there's no manna anywhere. They went hungry. But they learned. And <laughs> next week they, they got their two days worth. God relieves his people. You see, when you are dependent on God, it no longer it no longer puts all of the focus on your effort because you recognize that God is the one providing. Now that doesn't mean you don't do anything, but it does mean that you no longer have to be the one to bear the burden. This is what Jesus said meant when he said, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am weak and lowly of heart and I will give you rest for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What Jesus is telling us isn't that you shouldn't be bearing any burden. What Jesus is telling us is you're burying the wrong burden. We often so easily bear burdens that we were never meant to carry. Sometimes those burdens are due to relationships. Sometimes there's someone that we care about, someone that we love, someone that we know, that, that we bear the burden of their salvation. We bear the burden of their relationship with God. 
Sometimes we bear a burden that where we think we have to do it. But if you want something done right, you got to do it yourself kind of thinking. Sometimes we think that we've got to be good enough. We have to jump through all the hoops. God says, that's the wrong burden. Take my burden. Take the burden that I have for you and you'll find that it's much easier to carry. Because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God relieves his people. God also redeems his people. If Sabbath is a day of redemption, then it stands to reason that the Sabbath teaches us who our Redeemer is. And as Job said, I know my Redeemer lives. God redeems his people. You were once slaves in Egypt, but now you're not anymore. So keep the Sabbath day as a constant reminder of what God has done with you. This is where one of those places where I think Sabbath in the Old Testament really applies to the New Testament church in the sense that it's an, it's an analogy. Because we were not rescued out of Egypt. God didn't take us out with a mighty hand and outstretched arm with ten plagues on the Egyptians to rescue us from slavery to Pharaoh. But God did redeem us, didn't he? We are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And because we are redeemed, we have this opportunity, this blessing of God to have rest from our labors because it's not our labors that earn our salvation, it's His. And all the labor that we do is grateful response to the King who has redeemed us from our sin. He redeems His people. Thirdly, He sanctifies His people. God sanctifies us. He doesn't just get us out of slavery and leave us there. He sanctifies us. He purifies us. This is, I find this in a couple of places in particular, but even in the command itself, it tells us that we are to keep the Sabbath day holy. Not that we are to make it holy. God made it holy, but we are to keep it holy. So, we recognize that God is the one that does the sanctifying. And he doesn't just sanctify days. He doesn't just sanctify pots and pans used in the temple. He doesn't just sanctify all these other things. He sanctifies us. Exodus 31, 13 is probably the best example of this. You are to speak to the people of Israel and say, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. Do you see the connection? This Sabbath is a sign of the covenant that illustrates the fact that I'm the one sanctifying you. And this doesn't just last with, with you and me. It's not just something between us. It's something that goes throughout your generation. So your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids and their kids and their kids and their kids and their kids. What that tells me is that this work of sanctification that God does is not a one-time offer. It's not a single occurrence. Once the steel goes away, it'll never come back. It's not like that. He continues sanctifying. That's true whether you're Old Testament Israel or the New Testament church. Ezekiel 20 God, talking through his prophets, says, I gave them my statutes and made note to them my rules, by which if a person does them, he shall live. Moreover, I gave them my Sabbaths, 
as a sign between me and them that they may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. God sanctifies us. And the Sabbath commandment reminds us of that fact. The Sabbath is a reminder, a regular reminder that we do not sanctify ourselves. He does. So now what does it actually require of us? Does it require that we should now start meeting on Saturdays instead of Sundays as a church? Does it require that, well, we could still do Sundays, but now we have to, uh, we have to not do anything else on Sunday? Does it require that, that we should sleep all day? What does it require? The first thing, and, and I want to I give a caveat on this. This doesn't mean all of them. This is specific. We must rest from our labors. That does not mean you don't have to go to work anymore. Okay? I'm sorry. Unfortunately, I can't give you that pass. And even if I could, I couldn't give you the money to make up for all the money you're losing not going to work. Okay? But we have to rest from our labors. When we look at what God has done, we need to rest in that. You see, God has done all the work that's required. I'm going to skip to Leviticus 23, Mitchell. Leviticus 23, 3 says it this way. Six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwelling places. Psalm 46, 10. We don't often think of it this way. Be still and know that I am God. This is a step stool. Be still is the lower step. Knowing that he's God is the higher step. Be still is just helping you get to that point of knowing. But it's an important part, right? You ever try to step two steps at one time? When you're younger, it's easier, right? I, I once heard someone say, you can tell how old a man is by whether he takes two steps at a time or two pills at a time. Some truth to that. But as I'm getting older, I'm realizing, hey, maybe I shouldn't take that second step. Maybe I should use every step. Being still, stopping your work, your labor, your effort, gives you the opportunity to know God better. Not just because, any of y'all ever go to like an older person's home and sit with them for a while? And, and, and you could have great conversation, but some of them would have the TV on. I remember a couple in particular that would have westerns on in particular, and they would blare it. The, the TV was probably around volume 80. I'm like, <laughs> like in my house, we don't need it above 15. So, you know, it's like really loud, blaring it out. They're watching the western, and it's blaring, and you can hear gunshots, you know, two streets away. Somebody, somebody's calling the cops because they think, they think something's going on. I never, I never, I wasn't actually thinking of you, Daryl, but that fits. Actually, I'm thinking you're more of the history channels, like, anyway, well, I was, I never had the tact to say, can, can we turn this TV down? I had a hard time hearing them because older people just aren't as loud as their TVs sometimes. And it was difficult for me to hear. But if you can get rid of the noise, it's so much easier to pay attention to the person, right? 
Same is true with God. We do so many things and we put so many, have so many different efforts involved and we've got to do this and we've got to do that and we have so many things on our to-do list that we crowd out God and we just can't hear His still small voice. Now sometimes, sometimes God gets us to the place where He yells at us. That's not good. But you know, if we'll take some time every now and then just turn it down, we'll find that it's much easier to hear God speak. We need to rest from our labors. Now, perhaps some of us need to hear the opposite thing, though. Sabbath implies not only one day of rest, but six days of work. You see, God didn't make creation in six days and rest in one just because he needed six days to get it done. No, God did seven days worth of work in six. God did all of his work in those six days had a great work ethic, had, had, did what he needed to do so that that seventh day can be a day of rest. We are not to sit idly by and just let God do whatever he's going to do. Because most of the time, God wants to actually use us in the accomplishment of his will. In fact, dare I say, all of the time. Until we have no more breath in our lungs, God wants us actively involved in what he's doing. Jesus even says in one of those Sabbath incidences with the Pharisees, my father even now is working, so I am working. His point wasn't that God takes six days to work and then rest on one day just just because he's lazy and he, he wants to rest. What he's saying is God is doing the work. And so even on the Sabbath day, Sabbath is not to be a day of no work. It's to be a day dedicated to his. And maybe, maybe, uh, maybe we find ourselves in uh, kind of the language of the Westminster Confession where we're doing works of necessity and mercy on that day. But it's not for us. It's for him. So if you're spending a day off of work and you're doing all kinds of stuff you want to do, you're violating the Sabbath. It's to be devoted to him. Now, whether that happens to be a Sunday or whether that happens to be a Tuesday, or whether that happens to change week to week because your schedule's all fluctuating. Whenever we come to a day to dedicate to the worship and service of God, and we spend it on ourselves, we are robbing God. We are putting other gods before Him. We are breaking the commandments. So yeah, we rest from our labors, but that doesn't mean we don't do any labors. We just take specific time to stop our labor and to recognize the God of all time. Kind of like tithing. You don't give God 10% just because that's all you owe him. You give God 10% because he really owns 100%. And you want to make sure you remind yourself that he's given you so much, you don't even need it all. Second thing I think it requires of us, we must remember and rejoice in his salvation. God redeems us. And Sabbath gives us an opportunity to remember that redemption and to rejoice in it. Isaiah 58 says this, If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord. And I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you the heritage 
of Jacob your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Do you see the connection? When you honor God's day, you honor the God of that day. Sabbath isn't to be a set of legalistic requirements. It's to be a day specifically set aside to honor God. That doesn't mean we don't honor God the rest of the week. But this day is special. I would argue Sunday's a great day to do that. You have the resurrection of our Lord. You have the communion of saints in the local congregation. I think it's a great day to do that. But it's not just an Old Testament Sabbath. It's not just a law. It is a blessing of God. Last thing very quickly. We must maintain the holiness of the Sabbath. Exodus 20, verse 8, says it very simply. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Don't forget it. Don't forget its purpose. God is in the work, not just of setting a to-do list before us, but of shaping us. And if we'll honor the fourth commandment to keep his day holy, no matter what day of the week it happens to be, we'll find that it benefits us But so much more importantly, it'll glorify him. And that's what it's all about. We could talk about specifics. We could get into the weeds of details, this, that, or the other thing. I think the Holy Spirit can work that out. I think he's wise enough to give us answers to those things. But I think for all God has done, we can at least devote a day every now and then to him. Don't you? Father, help us to do your work. In this holy moment of invitation... This time where we devote ourselves to following your will. You've you've given us your word. You've told us what to do. In our hearts, we know that you've convicted us of sin and we know that you're directing us towards certain things. Maybe, Maybe we don't know you. Maybe there's someone here today that has not accepted your son. God, I pray that this would be the day. Father, many of us have been Christians Some a very long time. And some of us just need a reminder to take you seriously, to devote ourselves to you, to not let this day or any day be pursuant of our pleasures, be dedicated to our purposes, but to yours. So God, convict us where we fail you. Call us back to you. Father, maybe some of us Some of us are trying and we're struggling and it's just so hard. Would you give us rest? Remind us of your redemption and help us to experience today the blessing that is your Sabbath. Whatever work you need to do, you do it. We're willing to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.